Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. From the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome back to Tell Nuanez, ESPN Radio, hour number two. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, check it out on the podcast. The uh, Tutel Nuanez podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can hear our interview with Montana interim head women's basketball coach Mike Petrino. Enjoyed talking to him. Appreciate him coming on and uh, speaking with us. You can hear that and, uh, well, all the shows. Tommy encourages you to go back to 2015 and uh, dig up some of the gold that we had back in that time frame uh, as well. The uh, podcast available thanks to Blackfoot. You can also call if you'd like, 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone and or Zoom line. You can also uh, go ahead and listen live if you'd like to, 1029ESPN.com. You get there on the stream. You listen live all the time to the station 24 hours a day and to this show two hours a day. Thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Had a chance to sit down with Sammy Akem, wide receiver for the uh, University of Montana Grizzlies from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We'll talk a fair amount about that, about uh, – him as a player, about what he's up to right now, about school, and also about the Kakras rivalry, and it's all good. Enjoy our conversation from earlier today on the Zoom with Montana senior wide receiver Sammy Kim. Well, happy now to go to the Rankage Brothers RV Zoom line and welcome in a uh, senior, to be senior, uh, for the University of Montana football team, outstanding wide receiver out of Oklahoma, Sammy Akem joining us. Sammy, thanks so much for being with us. I know that you're uh, still in Missoula and uh, uh, hanging out, taking classes, and, you know, been quarantining and all that. But how's it been going, especially academically, transferring from, you know, attending classes, being on campus, to doing all this stuff remotely? Have you been able to, you know, continue to keep up with that? And, and how much different is it for you in that respect? Um, I've been able to keep up with it. It's been it's been cool. Um, probably the, the toughest part is, like, a class like my stats class, where somebody like me, I would prefer the, the in-class um, instruction. 
just with I just like with a class like that. I mean, with any class, to be honest, I would prefer in class instruction. But with something definitely like a math type statistical class like stats, I would really prefer to get the 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 bulk of the information from in in class. But everything else has been kind of smooth. It's been different, weird. I mean, of course, I've taken an online class before, but I mean, a whole a whole fifteen or I think I'm in like 15 credits, something around there, a whole 15 credits of online classes. That's different. It's different. Well, I don't know if we've used stats ever as much as we're using stats right now, looking at all of the projections and all of the, the, the ups oh. and downs of this. Right, thing before, right before spring break, right before spring break, my stats teacher was having a field day. Like every time we'd come in class, he'd talk about probabilities and with in relation to the, the COVID-19. So it was just, he was going right. crazy with it. He was going crazy. So, so often, I mean, college football, you guys hang out in big groups more than than anybody, right? I mean, you guys are rolling 10, 12, 15 deep, going to the weight room and all that. So, um, I mean, how's that part changed? How are you getting your workouts in? And what's it like, I mean, not being able, able to be around all your teammates all at once? Um, it's just weird. I mean, you just got to find the time to, to get it in when you can. I mean, running routes with the with the quarterbacks at, or with the quarter, quarterbacks and receivers at Sentinel sometimes. I mean, working out with Samori. I've really been doing a bulk of my working out with Samori, really. I mean, I mean that's my guy. I mean, anybody who knows me knows that's my guy. But we've really been just trying to hammer it out and really just, like, been working out. But it's, it's, it's tough, you know, because you don't have a weight room. And unless you have, like, a gym in your in your, in your your house, like, unless you have, like, a, like a barbell or something, you really got to find a way to just get it in however – However, however it is, but I mean, no matter what, you got to get it in. That's what, that's what is consistent. I mean, everybody's working, no matter if it's a little bit of work or no work, like everybody's working. So, I mean, you got to stay working and that's just, that's just how it is. Got to, got to keep up with the competition. Is a little bit better for you to think at your position where you're not like an offensive lineman who's trying to gain 25 pounds this offseason. You're just kind of trying – you're where you probably want to be pretty close and trying to maintain that thing and make sure you don't lose, right? Yeah. Um, I would say in terms of that, I mean, I'm always trying to get stronger. I do see what you're saying. I don't – I mean, it's probably not as, as urgent for me as it is for somebody who's probably younger trying to put on more weight who hasn't been through the system for – almost five years now, I, um, I would agree with that, yes. But at the same time, I mean, I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to find a, an edge anyway. I mean, any way I can get an edge, I'm always trying to find an edge. And, I mean, as well as you – you guys know as well as me, I mean, I'm coming off an injury. So, I mean, I need to work ten times harder than anybody else out here, and that's just what's been on my mind. I mean, yeah, probably I don't need to – like, I probably don't need to gain as much weight or something – as of that nature as somebody else. But in terms of the work I need to put in, it's probably tenfold more than anybody else because of my situation and what I'm coming off of. Last year, I always knew I could get you for a post-practice interview because I always knew you were going to be the last one on the field. You're the one that's running up and down, doing all the extra sprints, all the extra work. But to put in all that extra work like you did last year and then just have this freak injury that's kind of just pop up and then all of a sudden it ends your year, must have been so frustrating, but how do you readjust mentally and get beyond that? Because it's like the work wasn't wasted, right? It just was this freak thing. So how how did you deal with all of it mentally, and where are you at right now? Man, I'm not gonna lie. For for probably towards the end of the season, and and right as the semester was was getting started, I was just I mean I was always in good spirits because I mean I love football, I love my team, I love Montana. I mean I love everything about it. But in terms of personally, I was just down because. What you just said, I knew exactly how much work I had put in, and I knew how much I was dedicated and how much I am dedicated to this. I know what, what I've given to the game. So, I mean, I was just it just hurt me to not be able to, to 
to really help my team and to, to reap the benefits of the work that I had put in. But I mean, at the end of the day, you still got to continue to work. You just got to go back to work. And that's what it was for me, even though I was down and I was depressed in my own, like about my own situation. Um, I know that no matter what I do, I got to continue to work and got to continue to improve myself because um, I'm going to get that opportunity again to get on the field. And when that comes, I want to once again, be the best player on the field. I mean, that's just what it is. Sammy Akem joining us, senior wide receiver for the Montana Grizzly football team. And Sammy, you'd already talked about your relationship with Samari. And, and I know that there's big expectations for, for you guys and the whole wide receiving group, which is, a, again, going to be just loaded, seems like, for this Grizzly team this season. But you're going to have a new starting quarterback one way or another uh, this year. How much responsibility or how important is it to you and that whole group to kind of take the onus on yourselves that, hey, we're got to be great for whoever comes in because whoever's playing, they're going to be playing either their first or one of their first kind of games as a Grizzly, as a Grizzly quarterback. Um, I feel like, yes, we have to have that, that, that understanding that, that, okay, we, we got to take this guy and we got, we got to, we got to give him confidence in us that when he throws us the ball, we're going to, we're going to come down with it. But I feel like also at the same time, that's already been like the, the mindset for our receiver room. I mean, Samori, Mitch, uh, Gabe, Malik, I mean, all the guys, I mean, we know when, when we step on that field, we're competing and we want to be the best position group on the field. We want to be the best guys. We want to be those guys. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, we work hard every day. I mean, we're the last group on the field every day. I mean, we, we put in the work. So, I mean, yes, we're going to have a new quarterback and everybody knows that, but at the same time, it's just back to business for us because we work every day and, we, we let you know every day that when you throw the ball up, no matter who's throwing it, we're going to come down with it. Interesting transition watching you guys' group in terms of the, the position coach. I mean, Mike Barrett is a good buddy of mine. We lived together for a brief moment in time in college. I know he did a great job with you guys. And as an ex-player and a former Grizz, he brings so much to the table. But now you have another ex-player, former Grizz. who might be Older, older ex-Grizz. That's right. And, and, I mean, Coach Pease, Brent Pease might be the most demanding receivers coach I've ever seen. There's yeah. nothing it, it, perfection or nothing with Brent Pease, right? So, how much does that influence you? How much did it take to to get adjusted to the style? Because I think if you're not used to Coach Pease, you might you might take it personal. But then once you realize that's just how it is, I think it's easier. But, but what was that transition point like? Kind of learning his coaching style. Um, I feel like when he was first coming in, us as receivers, we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, he's an older guy. We were coming from a really young coaching staff, and he's a kind of older guy. I mean, our whole staff now is kind of older, but as in terms of us as receivers, we had Coach Pease coming in. He's a kind of older guy, so we didn't really know what to expect. But, I mean, when you get to know Coach Pease, I mean, he's, he's such a great guy. And then at the end of the day, like, his knowledge about the game, I mean, because he was a quarterback in college, and I th- he coached quarterbacks for a really long time. But now him coaching receivers, I mean, just his knowledge of the game, just that he brings to the game and his knowledge of receiver and how to get open and just everything that all the, all the nuggets and all the coaching points that he gives us. It's just, I mean, I appreciate coach P so much. I appreciate coach Ferreter so much too. Cause I mean, he, he's the one who gave me my opportunity in the beginning, but I mean, I'm just so grateful for coach P's and just everything that he brings every day, because I mean, he gives his, his, just like we're giving our all every day on the field, that's how Coach Priest comes in the meetings. That's how he comes to practice. He's giving his all, and he expects perfection from us because that's what he. That's how he. That's how he handles his life. So I mean, he expects that out of us as well. And I, I mean, I appreciate it as a player. When you look at this this coming season, obviously, you know you've been there a couple of years, really productive. Samari has a huge year last year as well. 
How excited are you about the position group and what you think you guys might be able to do this season in, in the Big Sky Conference and throughout the year? Man, I, I'm just so excited. I mean, not only for me and Samori as a group, as, as receivers, me, Samori, Mitch as receivers, but I, I'm excited for the whole team. I mean, we, we have put in so much work and we've just been, we've just been working and we've just been so close. And I know, I know we're ready to put the pieces together. I mean, we've just been working. We've just been preparing, but in terms of me and Samori, um, I would say we're just super excited. I mean, I mean, I can't even put it into words how excited we are for this season. It's just, it's just so exciting to, to see what, where we've come from. We were literally just talking about this a couple of days ago. It's just crazy to see where we've come from and where we are now. And it's just crazy to look back and just think how, how we were talking then and how we're talking now. It's, it's just so weird to see the transition. It's just so funny. I think one thing that, you know, having covered Bobby Houck since 2004, one of the things he's so good at is making sure you're never satisfied, right? No complacency allowed. A lot of teams would say, hey, we won 10 games last year. We made it to the final eight of the playoffs. But it seems to me, talking to you guys, you know, we had Cy Sermon, Angel Villanueva on the show recently too. It's not enough, right? You guys still have a lot more out there. So how much of RTD. That's right. I mean, how much of an influence does Coach Houck's mentality have on you guys? Um, it, it, it has a huge impact on, on us. I mean, I mean, the culture of the team is, is – it's all, I mean, it's all Coach Huck. I mean, I mean, he gave, he gives us the blueprint and we, we just got to run with it. I mean, you get, you just got to come in and work every day. And that's just how it is. I mean, even if you had 10 wins, even if you made it to the corner finals, so what? I mean, we still lost. There's still things we need to improve on. And that's just the mindset. I mean, that's just the culture that Coach Huck brings. I mean, you got to work every day. We're the Montana Grizzlies. Everybody wants to beat us. Everybody wants to come into Missoula and win a game in Washington Grizzly Stadium. I mean, we got a target on our back, so we have to work like that. And that's how it is. And you, and you guys were rolling until you got hurt. And the way it ended last year was so weird, right? Bad loss in Bozeman. Dropped 75 on a team in the playoffs. But then a real struggle with the, the rain and all how it all ended. From your seat, though, having to watch that, how frustrating was that? How much does that motivate you personally? Um, it definitely motivates me, for one, to work. I mean, anything motivates me to work. I always got a chip on my shoulder. If I, I'm always looking for something to give me an excuse to put in more work. So, I mean, for one, that did motivate me. But it just sucked, really, just to, just to, just to know how the preparation that we did and just to know how hard those seniors worked. And then just to see that, it just, it, it just really took the, took the air out of you. And I mean, I think everybody can attest to that because they, I mean, what this, what our senior, what that senior class had went through changing coaching staffs. I mean, they, they just always had put their head down and work, put their head down and went to work. And then to see that, that outcome, it just sucked. It just sucked. Sammy Akem joining us, wide receiver for the Montana Grizzlies. And Sammy, I want to talk a little bit about you and, and your story because, you know, you come from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Now, a lot of people who hear that maybe think, oh, well, is this like a 2,000 person town in the middle of some, you know, Dust Bowl in Oklahoma, but it really, it's just Tulsa, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's actually a pretty major city that you come yeah. from. We ask this, though, to guys who aren't from Montana all the time, but what did you expect and what was it like? But now you've been here like four or five years. You've been here longer than a lot of people who claim that they're from Montana. And so yeah. what's it been like for you now that you're, you know, you, you, you know what the life is. You know what it is like to be in, in Missoula. What's your experience of that been coming from Oklahoma? Uh. It's great. I mean, 
obviously coming from coming from more southern, I wouldn't say I'm from the south, but coming from a more southern state, I mean, I, I truly didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the people were going to be like. I didn't know what anything was going to be like. But coming up here, I mean, it's just great. The people are amazing. I mean, the community is great. The, the outdoors, I, I didn't know. I mean, okay, I won't say I didn't know about the outdoors because I did know about the outdoors, but I didn't really do outdoorsy stuff before a lot before I came to college and seeing that side of it is just great. I mean, summer in Missoula, spring and summer in Missoula is just to die for. I love, I love the weather out here. I still don't like the cold, but I mean, I love, I love Missoula. I so what's, love the, what's the best summer outdoor activity? Are you floating the river? Are you going floating on a hike? River. Like floating yeah. the river, floating the river. Gotta Definitely. be. Definitely. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, what do you think has been the, the biggest part about you personally that's changed over these last five years? It's crazy to think, right? Because it, it's been five years, right? Like you were saying, yeah. it's crazy to think you and Samara were just redshirt freshmen. It just seemed like yesterday, and here you are, yeah. fifth-year guys. But, I mean, for you individually, where do you think you've learned? What do you th- how, how do you think this has changed you? Um, I think I've matured a lot just in terms personally. Outside of football, I think I've matured a lot. But I think I've matured. I think my body has matured a lot. I think I've learned the game way more. I think I've just learned how to be a man. And I mean, a lot of that is attributed to Coach Halp. A lot of that's contributed to just being in college and just growing up and having to be forced to grow up. But I just think I've just become just a, a, a better person overall during my time in college, along with becoming a, a better football player. Now, Sammy, you, you, you talk about your body maturing a little bit, but you have always been famous for your hand size. Now, have you, you know, you know, when you go to the combine and stuff that, it, that they're measuring that, have you measured your hand, the thumb, the pinky deal? Do you know what your, what your hand <laughs> measurement is? Um, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I believe we measured it in the training room right before, right before spring. Cause we were talking, I think that's right around the time when the combine was right before spring break. And we were right. talking about stuff, and we were like, I wonder what my hand is. And I think mine measured 10 and a half. I'm not sure. I think it did measure 10 and a half. Oh, I don't know. I believe it. I believe it. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I wanted to ask, though, because we're just coming out of the actual NFL draft, right? And it was a, an odd draft, obviously, the virtual side of it. But also, as has been pretty well documented, I think a total of six FCS players in the nation were actually drafted this year, which is way down from what it normally is. Nobody in the Big Sky Conference, and there's a lot of you know explanation for that. But when you look at you and your future, and you know what it might hold, I know you got a whole season to play and all of that. But when you think about maybe some of the additional hurdles that you have to clear trying to get into the league or professional football from the FCS, what do you think about? What is it like? What? It, how do you process that stuff? Um. I mean, I, I try not to think about it. I mean, I know it's obvious that, that yes, I, I'm a leg down being from the FCS. I mean, I know I just, I just know I just got to, I just got to produce and show up every time I step on the field. That's really what, what, what it comes down to me. And I know when I get in front of them, I just got to perform. And I know that I got to continue to put in the work. I mean, I'm a firm believer that no matter what cream, the cream rises to the top. So, I mean, I feel like I'm a standout guy and I feel like I work hard. I feel like I put in the work every day and I know that no matter what, that's what my blueprint is put in the work and always standing 10 toes on uh, the grind. You always talk about the grind. You always talk about, you love working. Where's that come from? What's, what's the motivation? What, what, what motivates you? How, how do you stay motivated? Like you do? Uh, man, not wanting to be, 
I got asked this on another interview recently, and I, I he asked he he asked me what inspires me, but what 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 motivates me? Um, I would say not wanting to be average, not wanting to be not wanting to be just like like everybody else. I feel like, and I was really thinking about it after I got done with that interview, and it really made me ponder what 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 does motivate me. To be honest, I would say it would be my my older brother, because I tell this I I used to tell people this story. But it, it's kind of faded now. But I'll tell you guys the story. When I was a when I was a freshman, my brother was a junior, and we both ran track. And I remember he always told me like I would never beat him. I would never beat him. I would never beat him. So then here comes my sophomore year, and he's a senior. And the first track meet of the season, um, we run the. It was like an indoor meet at OU and Norman or something like that. And I beat him. I beat his. Like my time was faster. Than, we weren't in the same heat, but I beat I beat him. My time was like higher than his. So then we go on and we get on the bus after the, after the track meet. And I'm like, Hey, Jossie, you remember before the meet when you told me like, I'd never beat you. And then I told him I beat him and everybody on the bus went crazy and all this stuff. <laughs> but I know I always just think about that because like, if I really think about it, what's motivating me all this time, it's really like, I would say my brother because my brother was a four star recruited by everybody around. And I felt like I was just like this, this underlooked guy. And I mean, of course, I was I was skinny, like had no weight, had no film, like nothing. I really, I mean, Montana really did take a chance on me, and I'm forever grateful. But what motive? What I feel like motivates me the most is wanting to to outdo my brother. I would say, like when I really go back and think about what truly motivates me, it's wanting to like outdo my brother. I would I would truly say. That's Where, awesome. Oh, go ahead, Cole. Don't play anywhere. Did my brother? Yeah, um, he played at Oklahoma State, but he he he. Did, I don't know if he did a pro day, but he was really by his time done. He graduated three and a half years, and by the time he was done, he was really not. He didn't really want to play professional football like that. But talk about for yourself coming out of high school. I mean, you talked about okay, you're this skinny kid or whatever, but you having a brother who was you know recruited and ends up going and playing in the Big 12, at least, you know, the name is known and that kind of thing. You were already faster than him as a sophomore, so speed's not the issue. Yeah. So, you know, who did come calling for you, and, and why do you think that maybe you didn't get some of the looks that you thought maybe you might get? Well, like I said, I was skinny, and I just simply didn't have any film. My sophomore year, we, we passed a lot, but I didn't play. I didn't really play. I had, like, one touchdown. Then my junior year – which oddly enough is the year that I got offered from Montana. I had like 16 catches my junior year, but I was a very, very, like, if you go back and look at my, I was a very good blocker. And that's what Montana offered me as a lot of people don't know this, but I came here as technically a tight end. You remember who, who used to play H Horner? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I came here as an H, but then Barreter, um, they, uh, I guess going into that, going into my, my true, after my true freshman year, going into my retro freshman year, they decided to move me outside. And, I mean, it it just goes on from there. But, I mean, I would say in high school, I just really didn't have any film. And my my, I guess there was always coaches in my career, in my high school career, that could always see, like, that I would have promise. I don't know. I remember one of my coaches my sophomore year told me if I kept working, I would be good. And I remember that's just something I always held on to. And then my, my – my junior year, Coach Walls, who was connected to Coach Seymour, came to me and was like, hey, you're going to get off of from Montana. And I was like, oh, cool. But I didn't even know, like, he had been in contact. I hadn't been in contact with him. I didn't even know 
And that ended up being the only offer I got through high, like the only D1 offer I got through high school. So, I mean, it was just tough recruiting wise for me, but, Oh, there was one other thing I was going to tell you about. Um, my brother, I feel like the only reason I was a two star was because of my brother. Cause I didn't have any film and somehow I was a two star on 24 seven sports. And I was, I remember I used to be so confused about that. The only thing I could think of was my brother. Cause I really like, it really made no sense. It really truly made no sense why I was a two star. And I still tell people that I'm like, there's no, I mean, I'm a, I was a two star, but I don't know how. I don't know how. It's awesome. What, what does your family think of you spending the last five years in Montana? Man, I'll never forget when I, when I committed, we were sitting in coach uh, Stitt at the time, coach Stitt's office. And I had said, uh, yeah, like he, he gave me a little rundown. I was like, yeah, I think, I, I think I want to commit. And my mom just sat there and coach Stitt, uh, she was just kind of looking and she hadn't said anything. Coach Stitt looked and asked her, he was like, are you okay, mom? She was like, yeah, because at the end of the day, she knew it was like my decision at the end of the day, but she was just sad because I'm the youngest. So she was just sad to see, and like my brother went to Oklahoma State, which is like an hour and a half away. My sister went to like Tahlequah, NEO, which is all in Oklahoma. And then I'm going to Montana. So it's like, she was sad to see her youngest, her last kid go and go so far. But now, I mean, have your folks gotten a chance to come up to Montana, maybe to watch you play and visit like that? And what, what has their experience been when they've been here, if they've gotten to? Um, my mom hasn't been able to come up here. She only has been up here once. And that was when I took my official visit when I committed, but my dad, my dad was able to come to cat Grizz 2018 and he, he loves it out here. I mean, he thought it was, he thought it was cold, super cold. He had like this big white jacket on, I guess it was pretty cold that weekend, but I mean, my family loves it out here. I mean, they, they think it's beautiful. They think it's great that I'm getting a free education. I mean, no parent is ever going to be mad about a free education. I mean, but they're just really happy for me. Growing up, I'm sure you monitored Bedlam all the time. Were you OK State or were you Oklahoma? Weirdly enough, I've never been OK State or Oklahoma. Wow, I'm a, OK. I'm a Longhorn fan. Oh, but OK. My brother, my brother ended up going to Oklahoma State. So by default, I was at Oklahoma. And I'll never, be, I'll never be an OU or OSU hater. When I see them play somebody else, I'm always like, oh, go OU. But I've always been a Longhorn fan. And it, people always ask me, why the Longhorns? And I, I truly don't know. But the only the, the first memory I have of the Longhorns is 2000, was it 2006 or 2005? The, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Rose Bowl. 2006. Yeah, 06. Okay, yeah. I, that's like my first memory of all the confetti falling and Vince Young just standing there after they beat USC. I think that's truly – but, I mean, even – Besides that, I love Texas. I've always loved Texas. Anybody who knows me knows I love Texas. But I think the Rose Bowl is what did it for me when I was younger, what really made me fall in love with Texas. We'll get you out of here on this, then. What's fiercer rivalry, Cat Grizz or uh, Bedlam? Cat Grizz. I've, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen Bedlam. I've seen Bedlam. My brother played in Bedlam. I've been to Bedlam. Bedlam's a great rivalry. Bedlam's one of the I – I always tell people Bedlam's one of the top rivalries in the country. Because, I mean, it truly is. I mean, I would say them, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. Like, there's only a few up there. But, I mean, Cat Grizz is different. It's different. Like, I would say, like, the difference would be, would be, like, so Oklahoma State, OU, it's like a rivalry. And, like, oh, we hate you. But at the end of the day, like, there's still love. If you have somebody on this side, there's still love. Cat Grizz, 
there's no love ever. There's no ever, like, I don't, excuse my language, I don't f with you and y'all don't f with us. Like, we don't, like, we're not, we're not compatible. We're not gonna, and that's just, that's just, it's just truly, it's a true, it's a true hatred, I would say, in Cat Grizz. That Man, you don't all you need to know. All you need to know is Sammy Akem's wearing a, a beat state shirt on April the 30th. That's I mean, cool. it's April 30th. It's every yeah. single day. And I'm not even from here. So I, mean, <laughs> I, I, tell people, I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time, I did not get it. I didn't get it when I first got here. And then I played in it and I was like, man, I hate those. Like, I, it was just, it was just different. I actually it. it was way different. Well, Sammy, I'll tell you what, man. We certainly appreciate the time. This has been an absolute blast catching up with you. We can't wait, obviously, to get back onto the field, and uh, and it's going to be a really fun senior year to watch watch you do your thing. So we we can't wait for it. But we appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you again. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was really great talking to you guys. Sammy Akem, wide receiver for the Montana Grizzly football team. Love it. What a great kid to talk to. Uh, super, super great. I mean, just fun personality and, uh, and and really engaging. So enjoyed that very much. Great, great interview. We'll take a quick break on the other side. We'll go back to some of the NFL quarterback questions that we left unanswered in the first hour. You can see that right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. All over the social medias at 102.9 ESPN, at Skyline Sports MT, and at Gus Tutel on Twitter. Follow along over there if you'd like to. We appreciate that very much. Coulter, we uh, talked briefly in the first hour about the uh, quarterback free agency slash no longer free agency in the uh, in the case of Jameis Winston situation uh, in the NFL and you seized on the fact that Jameis Winston is going to make about one fifteenth of what Taysom Hill is going to make on the same team this season you are look I mean that that you know imbalance or whatever is what it is Taysom Hill 16 million dollars guaranteed for this year uh for the uh, New Orleans Saints you're shocked by this well I absolutely am I think that Taysom Hill gets uh, a lot of run because of in terms of the media because of uh what he was what he is and what he could be anybody that has followed Taysom Hill's career they know he's one of the great athletes to ever come out of the state of Idaho He's a native of Pocatello, went to BYU with all sorts of fanfare. I mean, he picked BYU over a variety of Pac-12 schools, and he was supposed to be the dude. I mean, and, and when he was healthy, he was. He just was hardly ever healthy, and I think that that was a big issue for him. But yeah. then when he, he goes to the combine and he runs a 4-4-4, Blows the doors off the thing. I mean, 39-inch vertical. 
and uh, he, he gets into the NFL. And I just find it fascinating because one thing in sports is I, I was saying this on the golf course on Sunday when we were talking about quarterbacks. I was saying that if Justin Herbert would not have been a four-year starter, we wouldn't have so many things to poke holes in for Justin Herbert. Mm. We have a 45-game sample size. Right. We only have a 15-game sample size for Joe Burrow. He never played bad. So we don't know what it's like for him. Well, to that's play not bad. entirely true. I mean, he that's for this season. He did play last year, and it wasn't that great, which is why he did have a six-round like round grade coming into this thing by Mel Kuyper. But the point is still taken. There's some guys who, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, right? 13 stars forever, whatever it was, at, at, at uh, North Carolina. And now all of a sudden he's the two. Was he two? Two overall, right? Right. Okay. So, so I guess my point is that, Taysom Hill's getting paid for what he might be able to do, and Jameis Winston is not getting paid at all because of what he's already done, namely throw 30 picks in a season like last year. And I, find, I just find it fascinating that so often we pay potential and don't pay production when you talk about guys that are – are. Uh, I mean, Taysom Hill's three years older than Jameis Winston. Taysom mm-hmm. Hill's 29 years old, even That's though right. he's only been in the league for three years. So – I just find it crazy that a guy could have... I mean, here's Taysom Hill's career stats. He's thrown 13 passes in in his entire NFL career. He's carried the ball 64 times. He's caught a total of 22 passes. He has 86 touches from scrimmage for less than 600 yards and nine total touchdowns. That's amazing to me that you could get paid $16 million for nine total touchdowns. Now, here's where I'm going to disagree with you, is that... Nine total touchdowns in 86 touches is astronomic as a ratio in the NFL. I mean, that's like you're you're better than one every 10 touches. You're taking it to the house. Part of that is right, but he also it's because he's their goal line guy. Well, n- yes and no. I mean, they, I mean, he doesn't have a touchdown of more than 45 yards. Okay, well, 45 yards ain't exactly the goal. But it's line. not as. But how many times have you ever seen Taysom Hill just take it to the house? He gets used inside the five, right. and that's a valuable weapon. I just don't it's think it's super wor- valuable. It's super valuable, but it's not $16 million valuable. Here's, here's the thing, though. First of all, what this contract says to me is a couple things. That there, this is Don't we always bust teams over the head for this? You've paid a guy for what he's done, not what he's going to do. I think they're paying Taysom Hill for what they expect out of Taysom Hill this season, not because of the, the nine touchdowns and the 86 touches. I think that they know that this is a guy who's all of a sudden become and transformed himself into a significant and a very unique weapon for them, and they're going to use him more and more. But the other thing I'd say is, what do, what do coaches say? Games are won and lost in like three, four plays, right? I mean, you have all these plays that happen in a given game, but really there's usually a handful of plays that are the difference makers in the game. Taysom Hill is more often than not on the right side of game-changing plays for the New Orleans Saints because of his skill set and because of the way they use him. So even if used sparingly, it's such a critical skill set that he brings to the table and Actually being the threat to throw, I know he's only, what is it, 13 total passes in his in his NFL career? It's yep. not much. I think he'll probably do that a little bit more, but it's at least Completed on the six. It's at least on the radar of other teams that and he's he's gone out and caught footballs as a receiver and been productive in that. Obviously, we know as a running back slash quarterback, you know, Wildcat, whatever it is. So he they line him up all over the place and the diversity that he 
brings creates tremendous problems to me for defenses as much on Sunday as on Monday to Saturday in game plan and figure out what you're going to do with this. And I think especially in the hands of a guy like Sean Payton, that's invaluable. And I expect, first of all, his production to increase this season to maybe mirror some of this money. But also, I think the production of, okay, well, you're a guy that plays 40 plays a game. Taysom Hill isn't that. But if he plays 10 plays and one of those is a touchdown or close to it or he sets your team up for a score or whatever it might be, that's huge. That's that's the point of what it is that you're trying to pull off. And I, I think he does that for New Orleans maybe as well as anybody does for their own team. I mean, Chris Thompson, right, for Washington like three, four years ago was like 12 rushes a game and still went for like 1,200 yards and 12 or 15 touchdowns. And like he, he was having the same production as guys that were carrying the ball 20, 25 times a game, and he was carrying it half that much. I, I think Taysom Hill, productivity-wise, sort of falls into the same category. So I like this. I'm all right with this. If he didn't get so much love on TV broadcasts and he wasn't such a uh, enamoring type of player, would he get this contract? Well, let me ask this. Uh, I guess, what is, is there anybody else who does what he does? Who, who does what he does? Troy Anderson. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And what do you think about that guy? Yeah, but Troy Anderson, at, at his, <laughs> Troy Anderson at his peak, though, is going to give you 50 snaps a game, not, uh, not eight. Uh, I understand that. But, you know, who's in control of that? Not, well, not, not Taysom Hill. The, the other thing that people are – glossing over in this though is that Sean Payton has said on the record that now that he's getting paid like this he's not going to play special teams anymore I think that's so stupid because that's where he's he's a could be dangerous offensive weapon but he's only shown very brief flashes of that whereas he's he's an excellent special team great special teamer and the special teams deal I don't know you know you know I don't know this is. I'm, I tend to agree with you on the special teams thing. Like, if he's great at it, let him do it. I, I know that in economics are what they are, and supply and demand, and and what the market, and in this case, the market is NFL front offices, what they set as being valuable and not valuable. I understand the way that it works. I know that it's not going to change. I just find it crazy that guys like Taysom Hill are getting $16 million contracts and guys like Jason Peters and Jadavion Clowney and Everson Griffin and Mike Daniels and Eric Reed are unsigned. I mean, no argument in in certain senses. I mean, when, when, okay, here's one. Here's one for you. Yeah, if you're gonna pay six, if you're gonna pay Taysom Hill sixteen million dollars to essentially be an eight. Offensive, By the way, it's over two years. Okay, so so if you're gonna pay a guy like Taysom Hill sixteen yeah. million dollars to be what amounts to a goal line specialist offensively, and then maybe a, a punt gunner, right? You no, not right. I just think you're completely underselling it. Listen to me, okay. If you're going to do that, okay, why wouldn't a team sign Cam Newton? Cam Newton is better than Taysom Hill at all of the things that you're going to pay Taysom Hill to do besides covering kicks and punts. Well, first of all, you're not getting Cam Newton for $8 million a year. I mean, it's just not going to happen. If Jameis Winston signs for $1.3, what's Cam Newton going to no, sign no, for? No, no, completely different. Completely different. Cam, Cam Newton is been to the Super Bowl decades-long totally Pro Bowl guy. So he is proven at what he is. And he, I, I, as much as I lauded Jameis Winston for taking this I would I would crush Cam Newton if he had taken that sure so that that ain't gonna happen but also is Cam Newton gonna be able to take anything though well because there's really no scuttle about him going anywhere we'll see yeah I don't know I don't know it's an inch he is in he is in why why because he's he is a better quarterback than a lot of teams have right now but he 
costs a lot more than a lot of teams have. You know, and that's it, at the end of the day, it's just economic. And he's in a bad spot because he's really good, but I think in most teams' minds, he's not good enough to justify twenty million dollars a year or whatever it is. You know, and I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying I think that is the rub here. I just think if Teddy Bridgewater is getting paid twenty million, then you should pay Cam Newton twenty million. I agree, but, but then I also but wonder the what's up with disagree. His, well, I don't think. I mean, I think the Panthers are just trying to move on, just because they have a new coach who, <laughs> hot take here, will fail miserably. Well, but regardless of that, I mean, the the the, the organization moved on. I mean, they knew everything that they had in Cam Newton, and I you're so, going to talk about the foot, and I think that's valid, man. I mean, really. is he is he too hurt? Is, like, is, is he, he not coming right. back? From Absolutely, this? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that I would take Cam Newton over almost every quarterback in the league. Well, no, I, no, I'm not. I I'm mean, not get when I say it. almost, I mean. I would take Cam Newton over Kirk Cousins. Okay, but that's fine. But, but I, who would you rather have, though? I mean, no, no, I'll, I'll go through a huge list of guys I'd rather have. Okay, we can start at the top. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Sure, okay, fine. Sure. You know who else I'd rather have? Kyler Murray. Yeah. Joe Burrow. Tua Tagovailoa. Sure. Uh, any of those guys. So there's, there's Dak a... Dak Prescott? Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm. I'd rather have Dak Prescott. Younger, he, capable, doing it. Is he? Yeah. I don't know, man. There was a moment in time when Cam Newton was good enough to get you the Super Bowl. He did it. And, uh, did he? I, I mean, it was the baddest defense of the league, too, that was on his team. I mean, I love Cam. I think he's I mean, really good, but but he's NFL. not. NFL.com had that Carolina Panthers team as the second best team in the entire decade. Period. Right. 15-1. and one. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he's a huge part of that. Huge part. And that's five years ago now? Four? Four. Five years? Four years Four ago. years, okay. I, I, I like, I love, I love, I really like Cam Newton, you know, but I, he's just in a tough spot to me. Uh. Is that it? Okay. Oh, well, and Andy Dalton's available. Now, if Andy Dalton goes somewhere before Cam Newton goes somewhere, then I think we got a problem. <laughs> but that's going to happen. <laughs> well, that's going to happen, though, Andy right? Dalton because because there's way less of a headache with it, right? I mean, Andy, there's no there's no, very little bust potential, right? You know exactly what you're getting. I think that there's a chance for big time buyer's remorse with Cam Newton. Yeah. Particularly if he's hurt. Well, it's the or, foot thing. Yeah. It's the foot thing, but also if, if Cam Newton, if he when he's not good, he's such a distraction. Or if he doesn't play, which we've never seen before, but if there that was a situation where he somehow lost his starting job, then it's a nightmare that if you have him on your team. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's alone in that. Lose your starting job as a lot of guys have become nightmares, but but not a lot of guys are Cam Newton. Yeah, in terms right. of his star his power, his ability. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Cam Newton has very special star power. Totally. I mean, he he has been one of the biggest stars in the league the day, since the day he came into the league. Mm-hmm. It's Tutel Nuanas, one hundred two nine ESPN Radio. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll wrap this thing up. Watch party tonight, 7 o'clock on SWX Television. You watch the uh, Billings Mustangs Missoula Osprey game from August 19th of last year. Do a, a little bit of social medias with it. It's going to be fun uh, online. Do a kind of a virtual deal with the rewatch of that really good baseball game. And also Missoula Gibbs. should know what's going on as it's happening right now. Yet again, really cool thing that happens in this community each and every year. So we'll get to all of that next. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more.
Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the show, our interview with Montana women's head basketball coach Mike Petrino or Grizzly wide receiver Sammy Akem, you can check it out on the podcast. Podcast available anytime. So checking out all that stuff wherever you want. It's on any podcasting platform you like. Just rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate you for doing it. It's available thanks to Blackfoot. Colter, a couple things going on in and around town uh, this evening, Western Montana. Uh, first of all, uh, tonight, SWX Television is going to be having a watch party, re-airing a Osprey Billings Mustang gang uh, from August 29th of last year. It was a, a game uh, here in Missoula. It was, in fact, Indigenous Heritage Night. And you get on your social medias. You can, uh, you know, include, of course, you know, at Paddleheads, at Mustangs, at GF Voyagers as well, the Montana uh, teams in the Pioneer League. But use the hashtags SWXTRA innings. See what they're doing there? SW Extra Innings. Wow. Okay. So SWX TRA Innings. And you also uh, can use the hashtag Save My Team. But they're going to have some fun. I know that Sean Rainey is doing an intro for this uh, thing, and uh, and they'll, they'll go back and revisit what was a, a fun baseball game. And then you can get together on the uh, social medias and interact on that stuff as well as you go. Live stream your own watch party if you want to and uh, and do that and uh, uh, enjoy a little bit of baseball. Well, it wouldn't. It's not even baseball season in Missoula yet. We haven't missed anything yet. So uh, we'll see. It's a great step forward that the – that the American Legion, you know, teams are having their uh, 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 practices or their tryouts this next week. I think that's the first sports thing that is happening, in fact, on the field that I'm aware of. So that's, I mean, that's a big deal. That's very, very cool. So that's great. So you go go check that out. I'll send out a little tweet yesterday, you know, here a little later on uh, as well as we, we do our own watching of this baseball game. And then, Coulter, it's also right now, is it like 24 or 30 hours Missoula Gives, annual uh, a big donation drive for tons, like literally hundreds of nonprofits around Missoula, Montana. But it's an opportunity for them to kind of come together, synergize, and everybody can kind of participate in this thing. We know that financially times are, are tough for a lot of folks as well, but you know, so there's still a lot of, of great organizations that uh, you know still are, are doing great work in our community. That's one of the things I think a lot of people love about uh, Missoula, and this has been going on for quite a while, so tell them a little bit more about it. Missoula Gives, once again, presented by Clearwater Credit Union. It is a, a great event, a, and I guess a great virtual event at this point now as well. But starting today, actually starting about 45 minutes ago, 5 p.m. tonight, uh, through 7 p.m. tomorrow, that's May 1st, community members visiting Missoula Gives can give to the organizations and causes that they care most about. 138 local nonprofits are participating with more than 20 Focus areas from providing food and shelter to the neediest, to protecting the environment, to supporting arts and culture. This year's timing is critical for several nonprofits around Missoula that have had to tap reserves and cancel or postpone major fundraising events during the pandemic. And also new this year, the 26-hour giving marathon, MissoulaGives.org, as well as the Missoula Community Foundation, will live stream community entertainment from venues and households across the Missoula Valley, including storytelling with Tell Us Something, a variety show with ZAAC or ZACC Garden Pl- yeah, the Zach. Zach the Zach Garden Planning from Garden City Harvest 
yoga with Red Willows Center for Health and Healing, and much more. So make sure to go to MissoulaGives.org, and you can find all your information there. But it's a it's a great event, and they're keeping on, keeping on, despite these uncertain times. Yeah, and this has just started. I mean, this, this opened up less than an hour ago, and will run through tomorrow evening about 7 o'clock. But this is something that's generated tens of thousands of dollars, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, really, it, it, for, you know, uh, the the collective group of nonprofits. And the thing that's great about this is is they're all there. Man, you know, almost all of them are there. So, you know, whatever thing that you love, whether it's the arts, whether it's, you know, supporting, you know, food and, and that sort of thing in the area. I mean, it's just too many to mention, you know, the environment, the rivers, all that stuff. You can go on and find the stuff that you care about, that that is meaningful to you and uh, and participate in that way. And also, you know, I, I don't know, to me, the if I can say the communal, the community experience of doing it all together adds an element to it. You know, it's sort of like the howling at eight o'clock. It's one thing to do it, but it's another thing to hear everybody do it. And you kind of have this sense of like, okay, you know, we're all kind of, we're all riding in the same boat here to some extent. And and I think one thing about Western Montana and Missoula that, uh, that we all appreciate is, is participating in that way and all the great folks that are doing work that, uh, that is good, you know, and it's not just always about you know, making a buck. It's about kind of doing the stuff you're passionate about too. So, uh, you know, is our show a nonprofit now that I think about it? It kind of checks all those boxes, right? A passion deal? Passion deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I've been working for free for seven years. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. Did you see that clip that. Uh, from, was it last summer or two summers ago where the Nemo balloon was flying over the Osprey game and Chris Jared was, was like, was like, doing play-by-play of this balloon floating over the various parts of the park. No, I have missed this. you got to see it. Okay. I shared it. I reshared it today. Okay. It had over 100,000 views when they originally posted it, which I failed to notice, but it's hysterical. You know, it's funny because now there's been a trend, right, during quarantine and all this stuff of of out-of-work play-by-play hosts calling things like, their dogs fighting over a bone right. or people, you know, walking in, you know, across the street and stuff like that. But this was the original. There is actually something going on. What's the, the there's a, what was it when the cat ran onto the field? We got one of those on like a Monday yep. night football, right? Remember when Randy cold? Johnson made the bird explode? Oh, <laughs> that was so crazy. <laughs> Do it the play by play is just a thought. I would just love to see the new play by play of that. Oh like, man, that's an that the, is the all time the Australian accent revisionist history of Randy Johnson murdering a bird. Oh man, what a deal that was! Boys and girls, have a great Thursday. Enjoy the game. Seven o'clock SWX. See you tomorrow. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.